0: The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world, by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Hello, and welcome to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. And our reasonable voice today is Eileen Davis, who has been a reasonable voice on the Reasonable Voices podcast before, but primarily as an advocate for gender equality for women, specifically as a dedicated activist for the ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment. However, today we've asked Eileen Davis to join us because she is also a professional nurse, an adjunct professor, a community advocate, and care provider in a clinic for the uninsured in Central Virginia. As a professional RN, it was our reasonable voice today, Eileen Davis, who served as the medical presence in Charlottesville, Virginia, during the troubled month of August 2017 as a health professional and member of the Medical Reserve Corps, Eileen has been on the front lines of healthcare during the entire COVID-19, SARS-2, and now Delta variant roller coaster ride. And when not with patients, R.N. Davis is an avid researcher and a reliable source of correct medical information from reputable sources. And she is here today to share that correct information with us. So welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio program. How are you? This last week of August, Eileen Davis.
1: I'm tired, Marcello. I'm tired, but I'm well. I'm tired and I'm overheated. How are you?
0: I'm I'm well. I I'm I, I guess that's a good good enough answer for us both. I'm not as tired as I'm sure you are, but uh, the heat gets me, and of course with everything else that the word heat means so much these days and all over the country and in every, uh, you know, every profession. But I'll tell you what, let's start with a, a little history or at least some kind of chronology or timeline labels. I mean, first we called it the coronavirus and that's always been one word, I thought.
1: The thing about coronavirus is coronavirus is a type of virus. Yes. So when we say coronavirus, it's, you know, it's sort of like saying parasites. I mean, it's, it's a type of virus. And, and there are several. There, are, and the, the Corona Corona nineteen COVID nineteen is actually the second coronavirus. The first identified coronavirus was in two thousand and two, and that was SARS. You remember SARS? Oh yes. Cause was another enacronym. That was SARS. The name of SARS was SARS cov one C O V. And again, you know, we started going after developing a vaccine for SARS COVID one. In two thousand two, two thousand three, all the way up to, to present. So we were eighty-five percent into figuring out how to put a, a vaccine together for a COVID variety virus. You see what I'm saying? I gotcha. That's that's that cannot be said enough because the whole moniker of it was done too quickly is really just not accurate. We had, you know, we had developed eighty five percent of the way to deal with this corona. Style virus, we were, and all we had to do is pivot. So, you know, it was fortuitous um, that we were able to do that, that we had 85% of the work done, but we had 85% of the work done. And now all we had to do is pivot. And then in 2020, COVID-2 came around. And it's interesting when you break down what COVID-19 means: CO is corona, V is virus, ID is identified 2019. So it is the corona-2. Identified in uh, 2019, i.e., COVID 19. So, all of these names all have identifiable markers. They're scientifical markers. So, you know, so the vaccine target, we just pivoted the research because at that point, remember, we had SARS under control that in itself is a cautionary tale. Because when we look at what we did when SARS hit, when harness SARS hit, hit us, you know, we circled the wagons. We did exactly what we needed to do to tamp it down. You know, we held it at bay because we all came together and you know, we isolated it quickly, we competently. Um, you know, we didn't we didn't and and, and I'm gonna stay out of the political arena because I think that politics is getting overlapped in medicine. To a, to a dangerous degree in this situation. But I do have to say, the difference between SARS and the difference between COVID-19 was that when SARS came out, we didn't have all this fighting over whether or not we should get a vacuum. It would be like taking a pillow and cutting open the pillow and letting the and letting the feathers just blow around. Hmm. And instead of standing around fighting about should we get a vacuum and get suck them up? Or maybe we should get a broom or maybe we should let the wind carry it away. And then it took off like a like a brush fire. Yes. You know, and that that's on us. That's on us. So, you know, SARS could have done the same thing that COVID-19 did, but it didn't. Mm. In anticipation that it was going to spread. Um, and again, isolation and containment worked. Prevention always works which is why getting a vaccine is a lot better than chasing after a million dollars worth of remdesivir or taking all kinds of kooky kind of cures the best treatment for any illness is prevention yeah, yeah it's always been the way you know SARS set the path for us to be ready for COVID when it came and of course we dropped the ball on being ready for COVID when it came when it came to containment but we already had 85 percent of the work done so instead of SARS now not being a public health menace we just pivoted all that research towards COVID-19. And hence, we have four vaccines in a year because they were all underway. Everybody and their brother around the world it was a German a German company that put together Pfizer. There was a the French company that put together Moderna. There were there were there were people all over the world that have been working for years on research. Johnson and Johnson, also known as Janssen, and Janssen is a company that's between the United States and Germany. The researchers were in Germany. NIH was where. There's a whole lot of. Very serious scientists that were working very diligently for years because there's nothing a good scientist wants. is something new that they could work on and be the first one to do it. So there was a a race to understand the corona one. And that's the fortuitous part. And to the people that out here that will say, I don't want to take the vaccine. You know, I'm going to leave it up to God. Well, you know, God comes in many ways.
0: Yes. (laughs)
1: And I would argue with you, you know, you consider the parable of the boat. I'm, and for those of your, in your audience that don't, don't know the parable of the boat, the parable of the boat is a man is in a, in a flood situation and he prays and God says, I will protect you. So he's patient. He's waiting. Boat comes by. He goes, oh, no, I'll God, God is going to protect me. God is going to take care of me. But the boat leaves. The man drowns. He goes to heaven. He looks at St. Peter. He says, St. Say, Peter, why did God forsake me? St. Peter says he didn't. He sent a boat. Yes. So. We have to. We have to listen to what you know. Is it dumb luck that that virus was? You know, eighty-five percent ready. Is it fortuitous? Is it, is it? Is it? Is it? Is it kismet? Is it God's hand? I'll leave it for the theologians to figure that out. All I know is that when people say they're waiting for God, how do we know that God hasn't already given us what we needed? Okay. And, they're, and they're and they're turning their back on. It. Yeah. So I would ask every person who thinks that somehow their their their, their, their spirituality disavows them of they have to trust God. Maybe they need to look harder at how one trusts God. Yeah. And and I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. So um, but, you know, getting back to to the rest of this, I'm I'm also speaking of trust, I'm also very, very boggles my mind, Marcello, that the people out there are really being so victimized by the disinformation campaigns. Yes. And and I don't know who it was who said, but, you know, You want to tell a lie, tell a big lie, because it's easier for people to believe it. Yes. But the bigger the lie, the harder it is to unpack. The first one is that it was developed too soon. So that's why I addressed the developed too soon lie first. Yes. The the second lies are that it is dangerous. It is not dangerous, and it's not, and it doesn't change your DNA, and you're not going to be magnetized. This vaccine does not contain live virus any more than the vaccines your kids had before they could go to public school. Yeah. It's not. It does not change your DNA. None of these vaccines change your DNA. And as far as this whole, well, you can't make me have a vaccine. You know, people have, we're going to have vaccine passports. Well, I, my kids had to have vaccines before they went to first grade. They had to come in with polio and DPT and diphtheria. And, I mean, these were always mandated vaccines. You know, do you know anybody that's ever gotten polio or smallpox? Neither do I, because we have a vaccine and everybody took it. Yes. So I don't understand the fact that, you know, if we didn't have if we had, if 50% or 75% of people that refused polio or diphtheria or smallpox, we'd still have these diseases. Yes. So the only difference between this vaccine and every other vaccine that we've ever put on the grid, and all vaccines have side effects. Everything you can take into your body has side effects. I mean, there are people out there that can't drink water without having problems at that distilled, filtered, I mean, everything. You look at a bottle of Tylenol and read the side effects on it? People die because they eat peanut butter. I mean, the side effects, first of all, for this vaccine, for these four vaccines that we currently have, are about the same number as the vaccine's. Ever, ever taken, and have had. You know, there's always that chance of allergic reaction. There's always that chance of a sore arm. There's always that chance that there's going to be some rare event problem. And then we also to extrapolate: if somebody has a heart attack every day after they had a COVID vaccine, out of 189 people, how do we know that that person wasn't supposed to have a heart attack anyway?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You see what I'm saying? Oh yes. Oh, yes. I mean, I mean, they're, they're, You know, we have to figure out what is just the intersection of of what was going to happen anyway. You know, if you're walking around with a with a with a clogged artery in your heart and two days after you get a vaccine, that artery finally decides to have a clot. You can't blame that on COVID-19. We have to do the research because that's just that's like saying I was shoveling snow and I keeled over. I'm blaming it on my COVID-19 vaccine. I mean, you can't do that. And that's what this that's what diligent science has to say. And so I think we just really have to take a step back. The difference between this vaccine and other vaccines in terms of its safety numbers, and we're talking zero, 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 one percent side effects. And we talk about the I had a person contact me the other day and said, I read that there are 5,000 adverse side effects reported from the COVID-19 vaccines. Number one, you're talking out of 180 million Americans, we're up to 200 million Americans now, so I have to update the number. Five thousand is a pretty low, low number, and out of that five thousand, in that we're talking about the person that gets a little dizzy when you're because they're nervous and they're hyperventilating when you're giving them the shoot, you know. And there's always the person who gets the vapors. That's that's what written up as an adverse reaction. There's always that person that has a mild allergic reaction. There is that person that you know that that faints, uh, you know. There's that person who gets a sore arm. There's that person who gets a rash on their arm for two weeks because, you know, they just have an irritation. I don't know about you, but every vaccine I've ever had, you know, I I had a hepatitis B vaccine and I had a headache for three days. Mm -hmm. My reaction to the hep B vaccine as a healthcare worker is more severe than my reaction to the COVID-19 vaccine. But guess what? I can't work as a professional nurse without a hep B vaccine. Because I, I I have to have it. I can't, you, you are not allowed to work in a in a in a healthcare environment unless you have hepatitis vaccines with boosters every couple of years. Yes. Mandated. You have to do it, or you don't have a job. So, and but I have to do that. But I actually, for me, if that's more of a side effect than the two Modernas that I had. Mm-hmm. So I think people just need to understand that the difference between this vaccine and every vaccine and every medication they've ever had, whether they broke out in a rash or it gave them a headache or it gave them a stomach ache or it gave them diarrhea, the only difference between this vaccine and every other vaccine is this, this vaccine has been politicized. Yes. Politicized and with a disinformation campaign that is really unbelievable. You know, the, the vaccine does not contain eggs, so you can take it if you have an egg allergy. You know, it makes women infertile. That's nonsense. I'm, are you going to keep track of the COVID babies? I mean, <laughs> yes. It, it doesn't. It does So you know, and and but I think the things that we do have to talk about. And do you want me to take a break, or do we just keep going?
0: Yes. No. Take a break. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to remind people that I'm still here and you've answered <laughs> you've answered the first seven or eight of my questions you even asked them of them and then you answered them but I would like to stop because I I hear your point and I just want to uh, just emphasize that that the, the point is number 1 I think that you're making is that this vaccine didn't come out of nowhere any more than the coronavirus did if nothing comes from nothing as the song goes and that because we were non-politicized back into the early 2000s based on our reaction to SARS in 2002. But because everyone, the, the scientists, the medical professionals, and the government were saying, okay, here's an issue, let's fix it, then things were different. And that's why it was curtailed. But the biggest point, I think, in, in what you've said so far is that because of that togetherness, People didn't stop. Okay, so we got a a vaccine for uh, the uh, SARS-1, so now we'll go back to sleep or something. They continued working on it, which was why we were better prepared with a vaccine when uh, COVID-19 came along. And had that been administered with some some, uh, acceleration, some focus, things would be different. But here we are, and my question is, after recapping you, my question is, you have viruses always mutated and is that why for instance to give them another example of what you've been saying is that why an annual flu shots are recommended talk to us about that
1: viruses are patterns of 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 um, strains of just a chain of um dna that's all they have. Uh-huh. and they constantly can wiggle or change a little bit the flu virus you get a vaccine that you get every year is really just a it, it's a it's basically the same thing as a booster to address variants because every year it changes and some years and you if you're watching the if you're watching the research like I do every year they always they they, they try to figure out how by by some kind of you know sequencing of the DNA in what ways the flu virus is going to change um and then they put they build a Flu virus, like the one they're building for 2022, is underway right now, and a lot of it is they're sort of they sort of are hypothesizing what the virus is going to do because they can follow the trend of how the virus is whether or not it's swinging left, swinging right, curling up on this side, doing that. They they kind of know the trend mm-hmm. and they build it. But every year, the you know the, the medical community comes out with number a couple of months in, telling us basically what how right they were. Yes. Remember in those years, a lot of people get flu shots and they still got a mild case of the flu. Yes. And then they said, well, you know, they really miscalculated it's only 50 percent effective or one year it really works a lot. Oh, this this year's uh, flu vaccine is 70 percent effective. It's because the gamblers who tried to figure out what it was going to do, because the vaccine we're making, we're making vaccine now for 2022. Yes. Season. Yes, and we're extra, we're we're hypothesizing what that, that what the bat vaccine should look like, and we could be off by twenty percent of effectiveness. We could be spot on, and that's the, every year that's a crapshoot. Is everybody every year we hold our breath and wonder you know if we're going to get a good efficacy? And last year we were particularly worried about it because on top of COVID, we didn't want a year where we undershot the mark on what we wanted the updated. Vaccine to do because updated vaccines for flu and every other vaccine were chasing variants. Yes, that, that's what vaccines That's what viruses do. Yes, they mutate. They mutate all the time. And going back to what you said about coming together, uh the uh, the other thing that I really want to point out to people is you find another point in history where we were this divided over healthcare, something a healthcare emergency. The idea that during the time of polio and the time of that that or or, or you know the that we would have had this much politicization about whether or not you were—it's not—it's absolutely you would have been you would have been thrown off the island hmm. if you you know the, the public never would have tolerated this. This is the, the 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 politicization of a public health crisis, particularly one that affects our children. Yes, this is is it it's, it boggles my mind, Marcello. All
0: right, I mean, I'm 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 going to jump in only because. I want to talk about the children in the second segment because I know that's extremely important to both of us. Not that we haven't been talking important things, but I do want to remind everyone that what, one of the things you're talking about is that this, uh, what's happening on social media and certain news outlets, but especially social media, is this vast amounts of misinformation, which is why I have you on the show to correct all of that. So much of that is just not true and people should be going to what to the places you go to research to get your information. And we're going to talk about, you're going to, in the second segment, we're going to give them some some ideas of the websites they can look at to get the real deal. But before we do that, you said something to me, not today, but before, and I'd, I'd like you to tell us what you mean by it. Keeping the virus ball bouncing weakens us in every sector. What do you mean by that? Tell us.
1: not websites... Macedonia that are putting out all this nonsense and they're doing it because you know you know it's a house divided a house divided cannot stand if they can have us opening and then closing and you know getting going back into isolation and schools are opening and schools are closing and I mean I know business people who have opened and closed three times it would have been better off for them financially if they would just stayed close. You know what it costs to start to reopen a business, then you have to go into lockdown again? They are weakening our country without firing a shot. And, and our wounds are self-inflicted because we're allowing ourselves to believe this nonsense. We're being told the most outrageous things, and we have just enough people, good people, who are just scared, who are believing all of this stuff. And they have to consider the source. No reputable scientists puts their research papers on YouTube. And if you've never heard of this doctor, why are suddenly that that's the person you're going to listen to? You know, So we just really have to understand what would be the motivation. People say, well, why would they lie? Why would they lie? Yeah. Because it's, they're undermining us. This is a war of propaganda at this point. You know, if we can just, if we can, if we can keep this thing going and have businesses sputtering, Every time there's there's an outbreak, if we can have politicization to the point where people are fighting about enclosing schools. And, you know, this is there. We're we're war in this country over a propaganda campaign when our children are the most at risk at this point because our children can't get vaccinated under 12. And 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 then at the same time, they're like, well, why don't they just approve it for kids? Because that goes back to the fact that the FDA is doing its due diligence, which is why you can trust the FDA. If the FDA could approve it for children without doing its due diligence, it would have done it already. They recognize the need is there, but they're doing their homework. So if and when they do say it's authorized for 8 to 12-year-olds or 5 to 12-year-olds, you can trust them. So you can't complain that it's not being dirty-rushed and then say that you don't trust it because it was dirty-rushed.
0: We're going to stop on that. That was good. We, we must take a break. We're getting uh, an amazing amount of accurate information from our Reasonable Voice guest today, professional registered nurse, Eileen Davis. Stay with us. There's more to come. We're going to talk about your children and politics and viruses. Stay with us. Welcome to the NDFL Minute. In 2006, an inconvenient truth told us that global warming was upon us, that it was caused by the actions of mankind, and that the consequences would be dire if we took no action. Ten years later, broad predictions have coalesced into horrific specifics, and climate change accelerates. Really? Who says so? Important, trustworthy people say so. Check out the eye-opening documentary, The Age of Consequences. These aren't our simultaneously lauded and vilified scientists talking, but important and thoughtful world leaders. Those who bear frontline burden. They must plan for our survival. One of the first countries to go underwater will be Bangladesh. This will be a flashpoint. Did you know there is already a fence surrounding the entire country for controlling the inevitable mass migration? Many of the biggest crises of our times, Syria, the Sudan, the failed Arab Spring, and others, are already tied to climate change. With shocking imagery driving their points home, the predictions of these world leaders are grounded in grim reality. We at the ND Film Minute are not political animals. We only watch movies and bring your attention to the good ones. This one is a powerful eye-opener. Watch it. You'll see. The Age of Consequences. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and our guest today, our reasonable voice today, is a professional registered nurse, Eileen Davis. We spoke to you about her work in the Commonwealth of Virginia, and especially one of the most memorable things was in Charlottesville, Virginia, in August 2017. But here in August 2021, she has spent more than a year, more than a year and a half, on the front lines with COVID and is here to share the information that she has garnered from her own research, as well as her experience. Eileen Tell us, before we get to the children, because I want to spend time on that for sure, tell us, what is it like? We see the TV news, you know, in the evening, but what is it like for someone like you? I've seen you in your whole COVID outfit as a nurse. What is it like, from your perspective, working under these conditions? You know,
1: I'm I'm not allowed to be there anymore because Uh of my age because of high risk. So, but I have been working as a vaccinator, but I am in search of a lot of my younger students who are now working in the front lines. I've had I've had students that have got COVID on the job that are long haulers. I have people that have had got it eight months ago and they still can't walk to the mailbox without using their inhaler. And these are younger people. Mm-hmm. So COVID is no joke. It is not the joke. And and I think that we are going to have a lot of people who are going to have lifetime illnesses, which is one of the things that bothers me so much about People being so cavalier about whether or not kids get COVID. If we see long-hauling, all long haul symptoms in grown-ups, what are we doing if our children are long? What does that even mean for us? Yes. We don't know that, and I don't want to find out. I don't think anybody on this hall wants to find out. But what I would say to you is I have worked to vaccine clinics, uh, thousands of people. I personally close to a thousand people that I have vaccinated. And 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 part of the heaviest lift is you know, getting people to come in. And, and we ended up closing our vaccination clinic um, because we just didn't have any people coming anymore. And now we're going back online because now the veterans have now uh, come. And the variants predicted, Marcello, yes. the variants were predicted. We knew they were going to come because this is where we ha- I have to really make people understand. When people say, oh, I don't have to and it's my choice, you know, it's not your own choice because – What you do collectively is, you know, we are all in this. You know, you can't dig a hole in the boat we're all in and say I have a right to dig a hole in the boat because we're all taking water at this point.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Unvaccinated people are are vectors, and a vector is a medical term for a. There are vectors and there are fomites. Fomite is an inanimate object that carries disease. A doorknob is a classic fomite. A vector is a biological carrier of a, of a disease and that can be anything from you know getting Lyme disease from a deer tick to getting COVID from somebody who is carrying COVID and they they breathe on you or they breathe in your space and that's that's the problem here as long as we are all collectively walking around with unvaccinated people and the unvaccinated people are very very desirable hosts for this virus the vaccinated people the virus doesn't find a friendly, you know, viruses are looking for people that have been unvaccinated because that's a, that's a, that's a bowl full of jelly for bees. Mm. I mean, they're happy. That's, you know, that's where they want to be. They, because when they hit a vaccinated person right away, the antibodies that that vaccinated person has repels them. So even if they get in any way exposed, or if they get a breakthrough case, they're not, they're not the virulent vectors that people that are unvaccinated are. So the the, the the unvaccinated are the bouncing ball that's keeping that's keeping us weak because COVID's not going away. We say a lot about what herd immunity means. That's what herd immunity means. As long as there are 25% of or 30% right now or the numbers are below 75%. So 25% is generous. As long as 25% of people are virus food we're not going to get out of this. Mm. And what happens is not only is it keeping the virus alive, but it's giving the virus the opportunity that it wants to do the most, and that's to mutate. And here we are. We have now mutated to Delta variant. And we also have Lambda coming up. And Lambda, they're all Greek letters, Delta, Lambda, you know, Alpha, Beta, Delta, Lambda. And so we have Delta virus now is surging, the Delta variant, and Lambda is is rising. And that's the next generation of variants. It's, they're not going to stop until we do. Yes. They're not. And, and what's happening is that, I and again, to use a metaphor, you know, the original COVID was a four-cylinder engine. The Delta virus is a truck engine. Mm. And the Lambda virus, we don't know what that one's going to be yet. Mm-hmm. We don't know. We just know it's coming. There's been two cases, I think, in the United States that have been. And what you can do is you can take a person with COVID. You can take their vac- their COVID positivity test. And then you can do a viral you know a closer look and you can see what strain it is just like you can tell what blue strain you've got you can tell and that you know, the virology is advanced in many ways far beyond what it was during the 1913 virus flu you know the spanish flu sure. in the 1920s and but and the thing is in, in the spanish flu in the 1920s we didn't have any of this they did a better job of containing it than we have
0: yes Yes,
1: because they because they starved of hosts. Come on, of 2021. We this this is a self conflicting wound at this point for us. So we need to understand that the bouncing ball is this virus. Collectively, this virus is their the collective virus is outsmarting and outpacing the collective the collective human population, and we, so there is now this. They get to do what I want. This is not an I problem. This is a we problem. Mm-hmm. People need to understand that. They need to understand it. And then they're like, oh, and then, you know, certain politicians are going, oh, if you get sick, you can just come to the hospital and get uh, monoclonal antibodies. and you can get rendesivir and you can take animal dewormers and ibervectin. Really? What? Let me unpack those one at a time. Please. Rendesivir, also known as monoclonal antibodies, relies on a blood transfusion. It relies on plasma. So right away we have supply problems. There will never, ever, ever be enough monoclonal antibodies for all of the people that would get COVID. There just isn't any, any more than there's calls every winter for blood. You know, we have oh we're, we need more blood. You know, we've got this accident. We have this tragedy over here. This building collapsed and Please show up and get blood. We're always chasing blood shortages. We don't have enough. We don't have enough plasma to to serve. So what that means is it's already a treatment for that only a few luxurious people are going to be able to get it. You know, this is already, you're already having a have and have not situation. So, you know, the common person out there that's going, well, I get COVID, I'll just go get me some of those monoclonal antibodies. No, you won't. You won't. And number two, it's not free. They're also saying it's free, which, and I don't want to get political, but I do find it kind of ironic that a self-described conservative is touting something telling people go get it, it's free when it's not free. Mm-hmm. Either taxpayers are going to pay for it or your private health insurance is going to pay for it because it's very, very expensive. This is the same thing that Donald Trump was given. And at the time they quoted that treatment as costing one million dollars. Yes. So yes. it's far from free. I'm waiting for the health insurance premiums next year because somebody's gonna they're, they're gonna be raising all of our premiums. I don't see how they can't and they're gonna say that the cost of COVID is why. So this is not an I can do what I want and it has no effect on you. It affects us in every possible way. The collective us. Mm -hmm. This is a we problem, not a me problem. (laughs) So, you know, so you're looking at it from a financial part, if you're looking at it from an economic part. But the other thing, getting back to the kids, rendesivir cannot be given to children under 12. It cannot be given to children under 88 pounds. So while we're talking about this miracle cure, and first of all, on the grid of healthcare, prevention is always the first line of treatment for any yes. disease. Yes. You're, we should be taught prevention is the first step on the grid of healthcare management. The running, going, jumping to stage six and going to the million dollar treatment because, oh, don't worry about getting prevention because we got this million dollar treatment over here that'll be free to you that is not how the health care modality is supposed to work it's just not and even if it did we can't give it to our kids we you. can't give it to our kids so while you're arrogantly saying you've got a magic bullet if you do get covid so don't worry about it don't wear a mask. don't get vaccinated don't worry about it they won't help our children it won't help we can't give it to our children we can't vaccinate our children we can't give them rendesivir and we sure as hell can't give them horse medicine yes so that's, and that's the other thing that i'll talk about in a minute so okay we Really have got to stop and ask themselves what they're going to do if i mean and i don't think anybody who's caught up in all this misinformation would ever want to know that they infected a child mm-hmm. because of their i don't want to I don't think they would want to do that. And and you hear see all these heartbreaking stories of all these people that are lying on their deathbed, going, "I'm really sorry I did that. I'm sorry I didn't get. You know, I'm sorry that you that, that this happened. And and I appreciate them kind of having their 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 last act of 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 of, of life is encouraging other people to try to help other people while they're sitting there. Fighting to breathe, yeah, you know, and and it's, it's 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 a terrible, terrible paradigm we find ourselves in. Yes. and I keep waiting for people to just kind of like, yeah, so you know, but our kids are now getting sick. They're getting really sick. These Delta variant strains are getting these kids sick, and our children are not supposed to be sick, and they are out there without a net. They, we don't have a magic bullet for them. We don't have a vaccine for them. who we have is the adults around them putting them. First. And parent the adults out there are not putting them first. The one thing I um one of the people that I know said she saw uh, a father lean down to a three-year-old and they were going in somewhere and says, What do superheroes do? And the little kid looks at the parent and goes, They help people. What does wearing a mask do? And the kid says, Help people, and puts the mask on, and the father says, You're a superhero. And the mm-hmm. kid says, you am a superhero. Mm. There you go. So we can we can te- we can teach valuable lessons to children if we just understand what we're doing right now. Yes. Just understanding. And the idea of having a classroom where half the kids are masked and half the kids are not masked. In my 40-year career, I spent some time as a as a school nurse. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, having half the kids masked and half the kids not masked makes about as much sense as when you had an outbreak in the classroom with head lice and you only checked the kids, half the heads in the room.
0: Good analogy.
1: Maybe if we could see COVID sitting on a person's body, like we can see it on head lice in a kid's hair, maybe people would react differently. Yes. So, so there's a certain amount, you know, denial and I can't see it. They don't feel it. It hasn't touched me yet. So I'm just going to deny it's there. But I, I think that we just really need to understand we don't have the vaccines and we're not going to rush them. Because that's not how the FDA and the NIH is going to roll. They're doing their due diligence. So don't say they rushed it because they didn't rush it because they're not rushing it now. Yeah. They'll bring it out when they can. And trust me, no one wants to get it done more than them.
0: Yes. Um,
1: but what I would say is we need to we need to really, people just need to vet their sources better.
0: Yes. You,
1: know, you know, they just do. They have to vet their sources. You know, no reputable scientist is going to be only published on a YouTube video. And if you've never heard of that doctor, why is this person suddenly all you need to hear or talk about? You know, there there is misinformation coming. And, you know, there's that old joke. What do you call the person who graduates last in their med school class? <laughs> doctor. Doctor. So, you know, That's in, right. Dr. Fauci was first in his class at Cornell and he was also president of uh, he was also chief president and president of his class. So, you know, so really consider who you're taking your advice for. You know, you really have to vet your sources. You know, approach COVID like you're like you're you know you just found out you have a loved one that's got a life threatening illness. Approach it as researching a life threatening illness. If you get a phone call today from a cousin who said I just found out my brother has some kind, of, first thing you're going to do is Google it, and you're going to go to a reputable sites. You're you, you might go to the CDC, you might go to the NIH, you might go to those. But I understand there's a lot of like I don't believe the government right now. Mm-hmm. I get that. So, but that's not the only place you can go. You can go to the Virginia Department of Health. You can go to all these places. But if you're one of those, I don't trust the government people, okay, fine. Then look at the Mayo Clinic. Look at Duke University. Look at John Hopkins. Look at the Cleveland Clinic. If you want to figure out how you can best serve your kids, go to the Children's Hospitals websites. one of the best children's hospitals in the country. is the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, just so known as Chump. You know, they take their advice. You know, you can't just go on the web and read you know com and get your medical advice. You just can't. You know, treat this like you would treat any other life threatening illness. Go to the sources. You know, if you had a life threatening illness, you'd be you'd be making every all you can, every call you can to get your your loved one into MD Anderson in Houston or get them into John Hopkins or get them into the Cleveland Clinic. Why would you not go to their websites and read up on how you should handle covid? Mm. Why are you listening to some lunatic with a a white sheet behind him and and a green screen, you know, saying whatever they want and pushing horse medicine. And why are you taking parasitic medicine that is not even licensed for human consumption? Parasitic medicines meant, you know, that stuff you put on your dog every month that that says wash your hands thoroughly. People Mm. are taking that because somebody on the web told them to. They wouldn't get a a, a vaccine. And by the way, the FDA just fully authorized Pfizer. Yes. Or all adult. Let me repeat that. The FDA just fully authorized Pfizer. You no longer have the excuse of you won't take anything that's not fully authorized, certified, and approved by the FDA because you now have that. And already we're saying, oh, well, we don't know that we can believe that. These are the same people that are taking horse parasitics. And you know Mississippi Board of Health had to put out a warning because poison control was being overrun with people calling in because they're going to the feed store and buying ivermectin, which is veterinary medicine yes they're taking horse medicine because they won't take a vaccine but they because they because it's untested, unproven, and they don't know what's in it. I mean, this, we have we have jumped the shark here on rationality. Mm-hmm. We need a reset button, people. We need a reset button. So go 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 to children's hospital and type in ivermectin and see what they have to say about it. You know, go to go to John Hopkins. Go go where you would go if you were fighting for a loved one who just got a pretty scary diagnosis about a potentially dangerous disease. Just treat it like the potentially dangerous condition it is. Because if your kid gets long haul COVID. You were going to wish that you were more proactive. You're going to wish. And you're going to be really mad that your kid, masked or not, was in a classroom with unmasked unmasked children. Because, you know, we can't prevent everything. We can't prevent car accidents, but we can wear a seatbelt. We can't prevent getting diarrhea from unclean water, but we can make sure we drink clean water. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't prevent food poisoning, but we can sure hedge our bet. By making sure that our food is handled correctly and food board allergens are minimized. there's a, Prevention is always, always what we should be doing. Now, I don't know where you get food poisoning. We got antibiotics for that. We'll hook you up diabetes a couple days in the hospital, you'll be fine. Oh, don't wear a seatbelt. You get into an accident. Yeah, most of the time, we can make you better. I mean, that's what we're doing now with COVID people. Yeah. Enough. And we're doing it with our kids. It's not even about us anymore, it's about our kids.
0: What about kids going back to school this soon with or without masks? Is that
1: You know, resisting what needs to be done. We know that masks work. We know that isolating the virus and making it harder for it's it's like having it's like having a it's like having some, you know, termite spray around your house to keep the termites out. You know, the, the remediations work. Wearing a mask is a barrier of control. It's just, you know, just like putting diatomaceous earth in your garden. Will keep out worms from eating your tomato plants. There are things that we can do, and that that so yeah. So we in Virginia, mask mandates are what we need, and we need vaccinated teachers, and we need vaccinated healthcare workers. We need to have, we need to basically minimize the risk. And in Virginia, we're in better shape. There are some states, in my opinion, that the COVID rates are so high that I don't believe they can safely open. Because yeah. the numbers are too high, Mississippi is in the middle of is in the middle of an absolute crisis. Yeah, you don't see how they can send their kids to school. Um, but right here in Virginia, if we take, we are lucky enough right now. Don't squander it, people. We're lucky enough right now where our rates are low, work not under control, but mm-hmm. we work. But again, it's like you know, it's how we're not. Why are we taking a risk? Why are we leaving that? We don't we, we don't have to leave that potato salad out in the sun and wait for it to get to go bad. And yes. then say, oh well, we couldn't have stopped it. Yeah, we could have. If if you know our rates are low, put masks on children, have vaccinated teachers, put in isolation parameters where you know kids eat in their classroom. You know, there are reasonable things we can do to give children. Yes, the children need to go back to school, but they need to go back to school safely, as safely as we can make them go back to school. Because, again, we can't vaccinate them, but we can vaccinate the adults that are near them. We can mask them. We can have the parents take it seriously. We can have the parents. And the last thing, a teacher needs is half the kids in the class, you know, masked and half the kids in the class not masked. How do you control that? Children don't need that. Your children go with consistency. And again, it's like having checking half the kids in the room for head lice. Yes. That's what you have in a classroom. Head lice. There's no way that you're going to keep it out. It's either everybody's doing it or it isn't getting done. It's just not. That's why you know, teachers need order in a class. And order comes from consistency. And children need to wear masks. It has to be normalized. You know, you can't take your shoes off in class because you want to, because the teacher's like, well, I don't want you stepping on something and cutting yourself. Mm. I mean, they have all kinds of rules for how girls can dress in school. If you're going to police girls' shoulders, and whether or not you can see a broad strap, don't tell me it's too much for a teacher to tell the students that everybody has to wear a mask.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: I mean, I mean, if you're going to have a dress code, then make a mask part of your dress code. Yes. The interesting thing in some of the states, in some of the areas where they tried to do a mask where you can't have a mask mandate. They said, okay, we're gonna make it part of our dress code.
0: That's great. That's great. I didn't know that.
1: Not, should not be about politics. And this is the first time in my lifetime. And I worked the AIDS epidemic in the eighties. I have I think the polarization around this is worse than I saw with AIDS. And mm-hmm. God knows the AIDS epidemic was certainly had a politically polarizing um, effect to it. Yes. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting, when we had the AIDS epidemic in the 80s, what broke the polarization was when that 10-year-old hemophiliac, Ryan White, got AIDS and and was ostracized and tormented in his community and then died of HIV. That's when it became something that the public cared about, when, it affected, when they realized it was starting to affect children. Yes. Here we are in 2021, and our children are on biggest risks right now, our ch- are unvaccinated, can't get severe or monoclonal antibodies. You know, our children get sick and we're scrambling. And, and but where is the where is the pivoting? Where is the OK, we got to put our kids first. We got to deal with this. Well, that, I'm really quite dismayed that we haven't made that pivot. OK, well, now, now, now the kids are involved. OK, now we now we got to put all that aside. We got to deal with this head on. Yes. When is that moment going to come?
0: Well, I, mean, has to I I think some people think they are doing uh, what they need to do. For the, I I don't understand the rationale any more than you do.
1: If you found out tomorrow that your kid had some awful disease, where would you go to find out about it? That's where you should go and get your COVID information. Exactly. You can call a pediatrician.
0: That's true. And yes.
1: A pediatrician, frankly, if your pediatrician tells you to take. Same medicine you get you your dog for worms. Get another pediatrician. That's, true. That's what? that isn't going to happen.
0: Tell me about, uh, we do need to go, but I would like us to slowly remind people of the various sites that you have visited for accurate information, medical information on COVID and other things. List them again for people so that they can go visit those sites as well.
1: So go to the Mayo Clinic. Go to WebMD. Go to Duke University Hospital. Go to John Hopkins. Go to the Cleveland Clinic. You know, these are all, these are all first place, first class sources. And these are the first places you go. These are the places you go if you have, you know, you just get a phone call. Somebody texts you and say, hey, blah, blah, blah. Just found out he that she has blah blah blah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Go to the places that you would go to research them. That's where you should go. You know, but do no legitimate scientists post their research on YouTube. They don't. They don't, and 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 they just don't. And, and this is this is you know it's you know it, Joe thinks he knows everything. Dot com is not where you should be getting your medical information. Some you know name some. And if you see a, a website you don't recognize, and there's anybody can, I, I can close off this call right now and open a website. Name yes. anything I want. And but what is it? You know, a website you've never heard of. Why is that suddenly your premier source? Exactly. Exactly. Why? And if it's got some sketchy name, who is it? What are their background? So I would just say, please, go to legitimate sources. Go to legitimate sources. Take a deep breath and say it's about our kids now. Yes. It's about our kids. This isn't about politics. This isn't about whether or not you get you got money and you can get, you know, a monoclonal antibody. If you get sick, no big. You'll just go and demand the miracle cure that Trump got. Okay, guess what? Your kid can't. So don't get COVID and bring it home. Because when your kids get sick, you're going to wish they were healthy and you were sick, because that's what's going to happen. We just have to put our children first. We have pivoted now. And this, these developed variants are not much stronger than they were. And that's not flip-flopping. People go, well, why do we keep flip-flopping? We're not flip-flopping. We're chasing the virus. If the virus zags, we have to zag. If the virus zigs, we have to zig. We, You know, what was true three months ago, we're chasing the variant at this point. Yes. So it's not flip-flopping, it's it's changing every day. It's like if you were in under treatment for some for heart disease or or cancer, and you went to the doctor and the doctor said, Well, you know what, we're going to change your medicine. Or we had you on this medicine, but we just got some lab results back, and now we're going to switch to this. You don't go back in the car and go, Oh my god, this doctor's flip-flopping. You recognize that the doctor is evaluating and revising the treatment that's necessary. Well, this country has a disease. Yes. We are trying to collectively fight it. We are one big organism and we collectively have a disease and we have to, we have to follow the science and we have to follow the direction that this virus is taking us, that these variants are taking us. And we have to respond. And if it means we have to put a mask back on, then we have to put a mask back on. If you go to the doctor and you're a cancer patient and they say, Oh, you know, your blood count's really, really low, you have to be really careful about catching something. I think you need to start wearing a mask in public again till we get your you know, your white cell blood count back up. The person puts on a mask and doesn't question it. They mm-hmm. don't say, Oh, he's told me. I didn't have to wear a mask anymore. You have to you have to adjust to the medical reality of the last testing and whatever the CDC is doing it best to chase this virus, but the public can slow this virus down by not being such a healthy supply of hosts that are allowing it to breed and mutate and spread. And he says until we get these mutations under control, we're going to continually to have to chase the virus.
0: So get vaccinated get vaccinated is the point.
1: Get vaccinated as soon as possible. Don't tell me that you don't trust it. We have fully authorized. Go call up people and go, where do I get Pfizer? Pfizer is fully authorized. That is no longer an excuse. That is no longer an excuse. Yes. And now, what we're going to see is we're going to see a lot of businesses that were being challenged that you can't make me take something; it's not fully authorized. Now, then businesses are going to start saying "fully authorized." You have to be fully authorized, but you have to be fully vaccinated. Now that it's fully authorized, you run; you have to. So be part of the solution because right now, if you're not vaccinated, you are a medical problem because you are giving safe harbor to the virus, not safe harbor to your community. Not safe harbor to your community's children. You are helping the virus. You're not helping your community.
0: We're going to have to stop there, Eileen. It has been incredible as always. I can't thank you enough for being on the show. And we may have to do this again, sadly, because... Yeah. All right, then. Bye now. And now, from WatchFireMusic.com, vocal artist Jenny Burton, singing Who Will Heal the World. broken hearted, build the families, give back the dignity that's now been taken away. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. COVID for dummies, before the last days. In truth... Even America's extremists perpetuating fringe extremism into mainstream harvested ratings know that the essential welcome mat for human denial of overconsumption, generational betrayal, and national demise lies under the souls of soulless arrogance financing an alternative reality to satisfy the rootlessness of its minions sacrificing their lives on the altar of the big lie. My grandmama often told my cousins and me to act like we had the sense we were born with. When I was fourteen, I got the courage to ask her a lot of questions like, What did certain relatives die from? How did it feel having five sons in World War II at the same time? And what was the sense we were born with? Her answers, respectively? High blood pressure. Praying nightly for each individually by name. And common sense. So what is common sense, I asked. Her answer? Choosing to know and then do what's best for most of the people most of the time. Yet, the generation between hers and mine, while clueless before Eisenhower's military-industrial complex eleventh-hour realization, were guilelessly paraded into chain-reaction distractions drafted by the duplicitous Dulles duo of darkness dispatching the discharge that delivered us into the self-serving decision-making of Forty-Five's disciples, dancing devotees into denial of the changing Delta variant Nell, all while designing disbelief in the truth that sets us free from them. Both planet and children deserve to be our dominant infrastructure. We must school ourselves with the common sense to listen to the wisdom of science and our still small voice crying out of the wilderness within. Then we are self-enabled to both identify and filter out the hyperbole, dishonesty, and manipulation of self-serving politics, politicians, and media attempts to reprogram and drown out our common sensibility, thus reign over us via calculated misinformation. You see, common sense warns recent deadly Texas deep freeze power loss, record-breaking West Coast fires, and refusal to accept a free, life-saving vaccine are proof that we are not only out of step with each other, but with the common sense with which we were born. In 2021, 22, and 24, we need to demand of ourselves what we should expect from our elected, that common-sense solutions which protect all the people all of the time from domestic, racial, and gun violence doesn't result just from laws, but from keeping our elections safe from those who think it's perfectly fine to violently attempt to attack a third of our federal government to hang a sitting VP, and to white out an earned and legal transfer of power. So, how do we reinstall the common sense we were born with? Especially as it pertains to surviving a COVID variant that accounts for 83% of new American cases and is at least 50% more transmissive than our original 2020 version, which 45 told us we could ignore while sipping on bleach. How do we garner the common sense that a life saver for 60% of us is probably a safe bet to keep the other 40% alive? How do we acquire the ability to discern when the second most infamous example in recent history of a false prophet biblically predicted is shaking our collective money tree to fertilize the roots of his own personal garden variety apple tree fit for any serpent's devices? When do we grasp we are not alone? For the worst wars we fight come from within. But to the degree we allow Citizens United and a supremely gutted voting rights act to define us, the more we'll suffer the suspicious slings and arrows of outrageous fortune from Senate Republicans rather than, through peaceful assembly, defeat them. Since September 1945, American wars have evolved on the entrails of corporatism's arrogance, politicians' dishonesty, and young military lives used as cannon fodder. Exactly what is our Earth exit strategy from that waste of human life and resources? Surely we're not expecting billionaires to take us en masse to space, unless they need to reestablish a peculiar institution. Listen. Exceptional democracy is the greatest defense for earth and all life upon it, including the young of every species. Currently, COVID is winning America's war against the arrogance of ignorance, despite its after-virus setback counterattack. And those rushing back to normal are almost as responsible as the unvaccinated, but neither are as responsible for the COVID-related deaths of Americans as governors still fighting our civil war. Let us, first, mentor ourselves with true facts. Then, leading by example, elect people who reflect all of us striving to live a life overflowing with integrity, gratitude, and common sense. Finally, then, let us accept those who are comfortable with Republican conservatives killing their supporters with misinformation and those who believe 45 is worthy of their sacrifice and worship are equally in need of a shot of common sense. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.